Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shop on C70 at bat at C70 on Twitter with me, David Jones. I pop editor on Twitter coming to you on a Monday night, a little bit different as our schedules did not really allow for a, a Sunday night recording this week. Um, but David, that means we get to talk about a three game winning streak instead of a two game winning streak and holding our breath. Now we can talk about a three game winning streak and holding our breath, but um, we were talking a little bit before the show. It's, it's, it's hard to believe if this is something interesting or if it's just another one of those little false hopes that are going to be dashed pretty soon. Yeah. You know, I I've been on vacation, so I didn't get to follow the team as closely as I normally would have. I had a fun vacation, Myrtle beach with my family, my, my dad's huge Cardinals fan. We love watching the games together, but we decided to make this trip stress-free. We would just not watch the games. We went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3. We saw The Flash. We thought, you know, that stuff will be less intense than, you know, trying to hold a lead in the ninth. But I, I, I have seen the results. So I do, I want to ask you, since I haven't really been aware of what's going on, I saw the Cardinals took two or three from the Mets. Uh, how did they look against Scherzer? Uh, they didn't face Scherzer, so that, that helped. Oh, okay. Um, how did they look against Verlander? <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, huh. it, it, it worked out pretty well to not have to face, although they did face Sinja, which was probably, honestly, probably on results-wise, the best pitcher the Mets have right now. <laughs> uh, well, how did Pete Alonso do? Did he put anybody in the hospital? Like, did the Cardinals shut him down? How, how was he looking out there? I think he put himself in the hospital, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And Carlos Correa, didn't the Mets sign him this offseason? Did he hit well? against the Cardinals? Did- well, they, every, every, everybody signed Carlos Correa this offseason. So, <laughs> don't, you know, you can't blame that. Yeah, uh, you know, so. uh, looking at it, the Mets were supposed to be this powerhouse this season, and mm. one could argue that they've been a bigger letdown than the Cardinals have. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I don't want to take anything away from three wins. I'll take three wins over three losses any day. But this was not the $300 million Mets team that the Cardinals were facing. And as much as I'd love to come out with two of three and saying, you know, this shows the Cardinals are back on top. To me, that series felt like more of an indictment against the Mets than it said anything about the Cardinals. Then today, the Nationals just barely squeaked by, get down 5 nothing. Hey, rallying to get past that, tremendous. But, you know... I, I'm just not at a point where I want to get my hope up yet. I, I feel like they just beat two bad teams. They won three games, and I'm kind of thinking like, whoop-de-doo, show me something else. Um, are, are you feeling a little more optimistic than me? I, I hate to start on such a negative note and sounding so sour, but like I'm just not ready to get my hopes up again. I think that's all. that's all fair. And yeah, I don't think anybody should be saying – well, I'm going out to buy my World Series tickets now because of all that. But, you know, I do think that this team two weeks ago would have lost at least one of those games, if not two of them, if not all of them. You know, they've played they've played worse teams and lost than these. Well, not the Nationals because there's really not a worse team than the Nationals. But, yeah, there are worse teams than the Mets that they've lost to, like the Tigers and, and others. Um and they showed a little bit more fight. You know, maybe they were starting to punch people in the face, like Ali Marmol was saying. Um, you know, to on Sunday to get the lead against the Mets and only to see the Mets come back and tie it up at seven, you just kind of felt like, okay, this is it. This is, you know, same old, same old. You know, and then Arnauto wins it with a home run. And then, again, today you're down 5 nothing after two innings. 
honestly, you know, it could have been worse because at one time, you know, there's, they over, you know, overturned a, a call of the plate and got it out at second base. And it seemed like that tripped a switch and Flaherty pitched better and the offense came around. Um, I just feel like it's something, I guess let's put it that way. It's not here, here we go. This is a, you know, here comes the juggernaut because there's still lots of problems, but they're actually seeing some better results than we've seen in the past. And, you know, I'll take for, I'll take it for what they have. I feel like, and I feel like, I know we've said this before. I feel like we're starting to see the offense come around and be what we thought they could be. Mm-hmm. And now we've said that before on podcast and right. watch them just go one for 21 with runners in scoring position the next week. So I, I don't want to think that that's going to continue, but hopefully it will. But I feel like we're also seeing the pitching doing what we expected the pitching to do, which is not a good thing. And for a team that's trying to climb out of the gutter and climb out of last place in their division, you cannot be winning games eight to six or Mm. 10 to eight or anything like that, because it's just not going to last. Now, if you want to win a game, game eight to one, sure, that's fine. Um, But you're going to have to have a decent balance of good hitting and good pitching. And right now I think we're just seeing good hitting and good enough pitching. Flaherty was not good today. Flaherty was just good enough to be better than the guy he was facing today. And I feel like that's kind of what's going on. You know, when I was seeing these movies with my dad, uh, a trailer came on for a Transformers movie. And I thought, yeah, this is kind of what the Cardinals are. The Cardinals are a Michael Bay movie. There's a lot of flash at times, a lot of explosions. There's a lot of money that's been spent. But at the end of the day, you're going, that really wasn't that good. And I may have just wasted two and a half hours of my life watching that. So that's kind of where I feel they are right now. Now, if the pitching improves, and that's a big if, like I don't know what switch is going to get flipped or what pitcher is going to show up and start pitching better, then sure, maybe there's some hope there. But no, when you're trying to claw back and you've got to win, I don't know, 13, 14 games uh, just to get back to 500, you've got to have good to great pitching, not just decent pitching. And, and that's about where the Cardinals are right now. You know, the pedantic part of me wants to say, you know, that's not a Michael Bay movie coming up, right? Um, well, the f- franchise started with Michael if, Bay. Yes, but so. I think they've, st- they re- it, it, maybe it's a, maybe it's a metaphor because they realized how bad they were and then they've tried to adapt from there. Uh, some, I, I, at least what I've read, I haven't watched it yet, so I'm not, I'm not an expert. Before <laughs> uh, what I've read that this, this one is better than the, you know, spectacles of the past, but it's still pretty much a spectacle. So you're saying they replaced um, the manager and got better? Nah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I do worry that the Cardinals will, you know, sweep this series with the Nationals. They'll have a what a five game winning streak. Then they'll hit a two day, a two off days, fly across to England, play the Cubs to who knows what, fly back. Yeah, you know, in all the stuff that does that, you know, get you out of sorts and then have to come home, you know, and play three games against the Astros and three games against the Yankees. So um, I feel like even if they are starting to find their footing, they're finding it maybe at the wrong time because they may not be able to hold it as they make this weird trip to London. Yeah, it's definitely not good timing. I mean, I switched one time zone and I'm exhausted Mm -hmm. right now. I went to bed before nine o'clock last night, which is not common for me. I am wiped out. And, you know, we're talking, I, and I flew. That's the other thing. I didn't like drive mm-hmm. or anything. I, I, I mean, these guys are driving, not driving. They're flying across the pond. 
Um, who knows what it's going to do to them to mess them up? I I don't know. And I, the Cubs have to deal with it too, sure. Right. But the other teams that they're playing don't. And yeah, I, I love the idea of playing in London. It seems really neat. But yeah, as far as getting a team on the same page, and maybe there's going to be some bonding that goes on there. I don't know. Uh, it just doesn't seem like good timing. And uh, I mean, what do you expect from the guys coming after that other than to be tired? Um, But yeah, um, it'll be cool to see uh, at least the Saturday game. I probably won't get to see the Sunday game, but um, yeah, not good timing. No. And I I mean, yeah, you'd rather see the nationals next week than this week because of that. Um, You feel like you could probably maybe handle the nationals a little bit better if you're jet lagged versus playing the Astros and the Yankees. But um, I don't know. I mean, and, and we'll see. You're right. The pitching, the pitching staff still needs help. We saw a pretty decent start. We, we saw an Adam Wainwright start, which is what we're seeing out of Adam Wainwright now. What three and if you can get a quality start out of Adam Wainwright, which is pretty much what they did, you know, you, you count it and go on. Um, but we've seen Miles Michaelis struggle now. I think two, at least his last two starts. Um, like Jack Flaherty struggled in this first couple of innings. He did seem to find something in the last couple of innings, but uh, you know, if you, if you're not always going to have that opportunity to, to rally like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's difficult to see where that kind of run is coming from, for the starting pitching. And then here, you know, here it is now end of June, right? And we've talked and talked and talked about how the Cardinals need to make some moves and they need to change this roster and all that sort of stuff. And yet we're going to basically get into July and before any kind of, even potential trades are going to happen just like it does every year. Um, so, you know, whether they'll have wasted too much time or not, I guess we'll find out. It does help the division is so terrible, but um, it just, and we've talked about it. It doesn't feel like the urgency seems weird. It just, it's a weird energy around this team. Um, you know, they do stuff like juggle their starting catcher and then they do stuff like, you know, leave Stephen Matz in the rotation until, it's really beyond time to move him. So I can't figure out what their thinking is on this team. I don't know if they can figure out what their thinking is on this team. Uh, And that's what we've used that word identity a lot on these episodes because they don't have one at this point. And I don't think they know what their identity is. Mm -hmm. And so going forward, they're going to have to figure something out or this season is going to be a lost cause. They've got 17 games before the all-star break. My personal feeling is they have to be within six games, either in the central or wild card to have any type of shot. Now mm. we've seen, there have been times where they have come back from further down. I mean, 1964 was one of those great examples uh, when they won a world series, not too long ago, we saw them make a great run at the end of the season. That's possible. It's just not probable. And so I really feel like this team needs to be within six games at the all-star break to have any sort of chance and then to start clawing back. You get within six games, you have half the season left. Sure, you can start getting there. Maybe you can make some moves that put you over the top. Maybe at that point, you've got some guys from Memphis that are going to come up and contribute. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to rush those guys or not. Uh, But there is a chance that something good happens. Now, one of the issues you also face with that is you're going to have start having starting pitchers for the Brewers get back in place and the Brewers may take off. And so the Cardinals may have missed their window to actually make up some games and instead lost some in the process. 
So something is going to have to be done very soon. I think by the all-star break, we will know if the Cardinals are going to be semi buyers or if they're going to be complete sellers. Yeah, that's, I think I, I talked about this on mutual too, you know, where John Mozeliak and, and company come out and say, you know, there's still a lot of baseball. There's 90 something games, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But you know, you've got to know, right. And you pretty much got the next 20 games or so and to determine your fate. And if you're not any good in those 20 games, it doesn't matter what those last 75 are because you're playing out the string. Um, yeah. And, and even in 2011, right. They were, they were in contention at the trade deadline. They had a rough August. That's what pushed them, pushed them by, down 10 and a half games. But at, you know, otherwise they wouldn't make the totally Erasmus trade at the deadline. They, they were in contention around that time. If they had been 10 and a half, 11 games out in mid June, like this team is going to be, or has a chance to be, then I think they would have been, you know, history would have been a lot different, I guess let's put it that way. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, if, it's definitely a situation where they've got to they've got to win and then the, the schedule really doesn't do them any favors as we've talked about you know after the Yankee series four with the Marlins three with the White Sox before the all-star break and then Nationals Marlins Cubs and Diamondbacks before the Cubs at the end of the month so you know if you could beat up on the Cubs maybe you've got a chance but there's uh, there's a lot of decent teams in there that right now the Cardinals don't look like they can compete with yeah, that's a lot of teams with records over 500. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of games against teams with records over 500 before the All-Star break. Uh, it's going to show us what they're made of. And right now, that scares me a little bit, even coming off three wins in a row. They were three wins against teams that are down and out. So we're going to find out a little bit more about this team. Um, I'm scared about what we're going to find out, mm-hmm. but we may want to start writing our thank you notes to some of these players that we've watched for many years pretty soon, because they may be wearing different uniforms within the next six weeks or so. Yeah. And I wanted to touch on some of the high points, but one of the high points is one of those players. And that's Jordan Hicks, who has gotten the save in all three of these games has obviously taken over the closer role after Giovanni Gallegos gave up the home run against uh, the giants and, and blew that game. Um, it's it's good. I mean, it's hard to believe that we're talking about Jordan Hicks being this good, right? After we kind of wrote him off at the in, in sometime in April, but it also feels like right now his market's going to be really really hot if they decide to try to move him. Yeah, I really like if people to go back and not listen to our earlier <laughs> episodes where we talked about him possibly being released or needing to be traded or you know just released to make a roster spot. Uh, one of those overreactions, you know, the things that we get paid to do. Why, right, why we're paid right. to talk about here. Still wait for that paycheck, but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he has been a bright spot. And I mean, who wouldn't want to have a guy throwing 103 sitting in their bullpen at some point to use? Uh, today's stuff was nasty. Actually, while we've been talking, I had a friend that texted me and said, did you see Hicks' final pitch to end the game? I was like, yeah, I did. He said, that was completely unhittable. It's like, yeah, I don't think anybody in the majors is touching that pitch. Uh, just incredible stuff out of him. You know, this is where I start wondering, though, do the Cardinals start talking to him about an extension or do the Cardinals start thinking, well, let's see what he could actually get us out there? Do you think there's any hope of a midseason extension or is that something where uh, kind of a wait and see approach? That's it's a very interesting question because 
how much as as great as his stuff is, how much do you want to trust a reliever, right? Um, especially a guy that you know. Again, earlier this year, we're talking about maybe he needs to be released or traded or something like that. Are, are we sure? And especially with John Mozeliak's track record of extending relievers, which always seems to come back and blow up in his face. Um, I. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like Jordan Hicks. I really like this Jordan Hicks that we're seeing now because he does seem like he's got his stuff, his, his commands there. He's figured out how to strike people out, which he didn't really have earlier on in his career. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like that's a, 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 a time bomb that the Cardinals have blown up on a number of times. It would be now, it would also be out of character for the Cardinals to trade him. But I think that that would probably, that he's probably their most um, sought after chip, right? I mean, I don't, out of all these other players that they could move, maybe Flaherty and Montgomery, but I would imagine a Jordan Hicks flowing like this might even outdraw those guys. You know, I look at the good and I say he's 26 years old. And so this is not like them bringing in Holland. This is not like them bringing in Andrew Miller or something like that. The guy is only 26. But you step back and look at the bigger picture. His ERA this year is 4.02. His career ERA is 4.05. So he is almost exactly in line with his career ERA. His whip this year is actually higher than his career whip. Now, he did have a rocky start, and so some of that has kind of skewed that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you do wonder... Are we just seeing a little bit of Jordan Hicks? It's going to be a kind of a good streak, kind of like this team is right now. And then pretty soon he'll kind of fall back to where he normally was. Or has he embraced this new role as closer or semi-closer or fill-in closer, and he's going to run with it? Uh, But yeah, you know, the way he's pitching right now, of course I want to see him as a Cardinal next year because I want to see a guy that can throw 103. But if the Cardinals are out of it and he yields some great prospects, then maybe you see if you can trade him. I do think a guy like Montgomery probably holds the most value of any Cardinal right now that might be available, but I think Hicks is up there as well. And if they're out of it, I think you have to see what you can get. Now, I hope that, you know, in two months from now, we're talking about the Cardinals making a run and we're talking about how Hicks is shutting everybody down as the closer of the eighth inning guy. I just don't see that happening right now. Yeah. I think I'm pulling this up ever since he blew that game against Detroit, which is I think right at the time where they said, okay, we're going to move him to low leverage situations. He's pitched in 15 games. He's got an ERA of 1.56, a FIP of 183, um, OPS against a 403, and he struck out 26 batters in 17 innings. So something has clicked for him. But again, you're right. Is it a, is it a short burst stretch and things are going to blow up again or – I, I don't know. I, yeah, I hate to put it too much in, in relievers anyway, just because even if they're successful, how you don't know that they're going to be not hurt next year, right? We've seen that with Ryan Helsley right now being on the injured list and Helsley not being nearly as effective as he was last year. Um, it always feels like you can find relievers, so it's it's hard to say, let's go and pay Jordan Hicks millions of dollars for next year. As much as I would like to have Jordan Hicks, like you said, it just feels like, feels like this is a rare opportunity for the Cardinals to to move on and get quality back um, where they would not be able to do this. Because if they're, if they're leading the division, we're not even talking about this, right? I mean, this is just 
you know, Jordan Hicks is going to be here the rest of the year and then they'll, you know, try to sign him in the off season or maybe they will try to extend him. But if there's a, if something going on, if they're, if they're contending right now, we don't have this discussion, but since they're not currently really, it's, it's definitely something I think they should definitely consider whether they will or not. It's a different story. And that's such a weird conversation to have. Like I'm Mm -hmm. just not used to it as a Cardinal fan that we're talking about possibly trading guys away at the deadline. Now I will say one thing that gives me a little bit of hope if this season is lost, if they are a team that trades away, I think this team has enough talent on it right now that they could trade some of their players and pick up some prospects or pick up some players, whoever they might be. And then they will have enough ammo after this season to use some of what they've recouped, some of what they've already got in their farm system to make trades, to actually bolster their team to make a run again. I don't think this team is at any point where anywhere close to the window being closed. I think it's kind of like how the blues talked about. It's more retooling than anything, but I think the Cardinals are a whole lot closer to being uh, contenders than the blues are. So if, if you think that, the season's done and you think you can get some guys that can either contribute next year or could be part of trade packages in the off season, then yeah, I think you have to do that. And I think that goes beyond Hicks. I think that goes to Montgomery Flaherty, possibly DeYoung. Um, there's quite a few guys that could actually be tossed in there for something. Yeah. Um, and, and who knows? I mean, you know, John Mosellock still hasn't said what he wants to do yet. And, there things could change, but it, it almost feels like <laughs> almost feels like worst case scenario is for the Cardinals to win enough games to get within four or five of the, of the division lead so that they try to add and then fall apart later on. Um, because it's still hard to imagine that this team is good enough to go very deep in, in October in no matter, but I agree. I think that next year, even if you run the same team back, it's probably a team that can continue because this is, this has had so many weird things go wrong that just aren't going to happen again next year. You would hope not, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I do wonder if they start getting a little bit close, if we could have another Lester and Hap deadline mm, where everybody yeah. goes, eh, but I don't think they're going to go on that huge run again um, with, you know, breaking streaks and everything. Um, and so I think you just end up with kind of a mediocre team and some contracts that are expiring that you did nothing with. Yeah. So, Large Duke Bar returns today, which is a, something that could help this offense as well. We talked about how at least Lars has a good tendency to get on base and, and things of that nature. Um, it does then make for weirdness in the uh, outfield. Today that Carlson sits, um, which I know you were just stunned at, um, <laughs> and uh, Jordan Walker DHs, which makes sense the, the the walker part not i still haven't quite grasped the fact that they're playing tommy edmund at center field uh, instead of dylan carlson that still seems a little weird to me i mean does it make sense to you uh yes and no uh there's times that i see like tommy edmund make a catch like today and i'm like man that guy looks like he could stick I, I, coming into today he was a plus two defender in center field plus three in the outfield total but then you see him lose a ball kind of in the sun the other day. Tough catch. He had to go back on it, but looked like a catch that I kind of thought Dylan Carlson would have made. Mm-hmm. And so, he, I mean, 
I'll give the guy credit. He plays his heart out. He has played a position very well that he has really never played before. Um, something that I could not do. And I think something that 99% of major leaguers could not do, but that's something that takes time to learn. If you want Tommy Edmond to learn center field, he needs to be learning in the off season and through spring training and things like that. So just to throw him out there when you have to do it. Okay, sure. But to keep him out there when you have another option, I don't quite understand that as much. Um, But like I said, I'll give him credit for doing it, but I think he's much better served being on the infield if he can be, um, if you can put Carlson and Newt out there, then you've got other options for who else is going to fill that outfield position. But at least you have two solid, very solid defenders out there. And if that's the case, I don't think you need Tommy Edmond in center field. And it's not that you have to keep Tommy Edmonds bat in the lineup, right? I, I mean, we're seeing that Tommy Edmonds hitting 150 in June, or at least was before today. Um, I think he had a four. He got on base four times today, so that's you know it's going to skew that back up a little bit. Um, it just, you know, a league average at best bat. Um, so it, it's not like you have to keep. You're trying to find a spot to make sure he stays in the lineup. Um, it just now that that being said, Dylan Carlson hasn't necessarily been a league average bat this year. So you know maybe you're still upgrading your offense by not having Dylan Carlson out there. But it feels to me that. You know, as I put on Twitter, if, if Carlson was good enough that you could felt good about trading Harrison Bader, then he should be good enough to beat out a shortstop for center field. Um, and the the usage of Dylan Carlson and today was a little bit apparently about him being hit by the pitches and trying to give him another day on that. But I think we have seen enough from the Cardinals to know that odds are he's not going to play just a whole lot if this is the way the situation is going to go. Yeah, and, and I hate that. Um, I heard Matt Holiday on the fast lane oh last week or so, and he said that he feels like Carlson probably still needs to put it on put on another fifteen pounds. He thinks if he put on another fifteen pounds of muscle, that he would become a power hitter and could really hit the ball out of the ballpark. Uh, and the guy's still young, and, and I know that at some point that's going to run out. You can't make excuses, but he is. I think he's twenty four. Um, I would like to see him in the lineup every single day. I know his average doesn't look good over the last week or last two weeks, but he's actually had some clutch hits and clutch situations that have uh, helped put the Cardinals over the top when they've needed it. And one thing that's kind of been the same thing for him his entire career, the guy's got to get reps. He's got to be in there to produce. He can't just be a bench bat or a guy that you throw in every once in a while. Now injuries, I totally get, totally understand. But if he's healthy, I think he needs to be playing every day until you finally just have to say, no, we can't do this anymore. Um, I mean, the Cardinals are have a guy catching right now who's right at this 200 mark uh, right. who's in there every day because of a lot of things behind that money being most notably. Um, Carlson, I, I, I want to see him play. And I know I've been accused of being the president of the Dylan Carlson fan club. And I'll wear that proudly, but uh, I think he still has so much potential, but he has to be in there and he has to play by the same token. He also has to remain healthy, which he hasn't done. Yeah. And that there's, there's fair too. Um, But when Dylan Carlson has gotten consistent playing time, he's done pretty well in his career. Uh, But yeah, dealing with injuries is always an issue as well. So I don't know. It just seems, and then you know, it's the whole outfield situation has been a mess anyway, right? They, you know, Juan Yepes comes up, doesn't hardly play. Luke and Baker comes up. Of course, he was a, more of an infielder and got 
I think six at bats or something in, in two weeks or whatever, and, and has now gone back down. The Cardinals just haven't, I don't think the Cardinals have figured out the best way to use guys in a DH world. Um, Cause you know, before the DH, a lot of these guys would be coming off the bench at least regularly, right? Every night they're pinch hitting for the pitcher, get some games here and there. But with the DH, it just, it doesn't, I don't think your bench is that important uh, anymore. Um, and your, your starters are going to play most of the game and it's, it comes harder and harder to get a guy that maybe doesn't need to be everybody out there every day, the consistent playing time to make sure he's not just rusting. Love him or hate him. Tony LaRusso knew how to use his bench. He mm-hmm. knew to how to keep guys fresh. He knew how to give guys rest when they needed it. And that was pre DH, at least in the national league. I think that is where the Cardinals have really missed somebody like that making the calls. And I know the DH is new for everybody in the national league and it's still a learning experience, but at some point you have to figure out how to get that down, how to use that to your advantage, not to your disadvantage. It it almost feels like the Cardinals are still kind of stuck in the old way of thinking with how they're doing things and calling the shots here, but you're right. Uh, It seems like they still don't quite have it figured out about how to handle that other than, you know, given Goldie or Arenado the occasional day off and still letting them hit. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they seem to have done that pretty well of give a guy half a day at DH or, you know, play a game. So he's only not going out in the field. Then maybe the next day he gets a day off. So it's almost like a day and a half, but you know, figuring out a way to use, yeah, guys that are, you know, your fourth or fifth outfielders just, it's, it's not there. And that's, Difficult, um, because I mean, I think a guy like Juan Yepes could help this team. Would seem to be if he play regularly, but then again, when he's up, it's hard to say. Well, you're going to throw him in out there over Jordan Walker or something like that. That's not going to happen. So, again, I hope I hate to say it, but I do hope that whatever the Cardinals do around the deadline involves Juan Yepes going somewhere else because I don't, I just can't imagine him getting a real good shot here in St. Louis. Yeah, you know, we started the season talking about the depth that they had with their bats and the outfield, and now we see some of those guys still stuck in that same log jam that we see down at Memphis. And like you said, even when they come up, they don't get to play. They're the occasional pinch hitter or replacement at some point for a a matchup, Uh, but it seems like they're just not getting the time to play consistently, and they're just, yeah, wasting away. Yeah, Seems strange, but... um... So that's good stuff. We've seen Paul DeYoung hit a couple home runs. I still don't know that Paul DeYoung's where we were. What was it about three or four weeks ago? We were talking about if they're going to pick up those options. I, I feel like that question has probably been answered now in the negative, but I don't know. Can you rule that out? Cause I, I hate, he's still playing every day. It's been a, such a roller coaster season for him. Looked like he had everything figured out, then looked like he had nothing figured out. And then the last few games last week, it looks like he has it figured out again. I don't know what to think. Um, I think the only way they pick up his option is to pick it up and trade him. And I think yeah. he could also be traded before the deadline. I think he's somebody another team might be interested in because of his bat and because of him playing shortstop, especially if an injury comes down before the deadline. But I don't think he's wearing a Cardinal uniform next year. I, I think the only way that option gets picked up is if it's picked up and then he's traded somewhere else for something, anything. I, I don't know what that might be. 
but even then, I don't know if a team's going to want to absorb that salary. So right now, I think that's probably very unlikely. But hey, maybe Pauly D can make it a little more uh, controversial and go on a tear. Let's let's hope so. I mean, you'd like to see that, but that's not been his history necessarily. It's, the tears usually come. He'd have to get hurt again and then be out for a while and then come back. Then he could go on a tear. But by then, it's the, t- the trade deadline's probably over. So, um yeah, I just, it's, I mean, again, you look at, you can't really, you know, look at batting average and stuff like that, and everybody's are terrible anyway, but, you know, he's hitting 235 on the season after two hits today. Um, the home runs, you know, 10 home runs, it's nice, but, you know, where do you balance? How do you balance that out, especially when the rest of the offense is kind of hit or miss at times, right? If, if, the, if everybody's clicking normally, you probably don't worry about Paul DeYoung too much. You just let him out there and hope he hits one every once in a while. But when you don't necessarily know what kind of thing you're going to get from the offense, it's, it becomes harder, I think, to, to, to run him out there, but they keep doing it. Yeah. And that's part of the issue of having so many guys out of place right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't have that versatility in the mm-hmm. infield that you used to have because Gorman's struggling right now, too. Gorman's down yeah. in the 230s and has yeah. just not looked like himself, striking out like crazy right now. It's like 50% lately, isn't it? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it's been really bad. And so if you have him and DeYoung struggling, that's rough. But then, you you know, typically you'd want to throw Donovan in there, or throw Edmund in there. But if you have to use them somewhere else, it's just not working. And that's why the health of this team is so important. So you can actually put guys where they're supposed to be. I still think they could put guys where they're supposed to be. That goes back to that whole Edmund and center field thing. That's a little bit weird right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I guess the Tyler O'Neill domino fell and everything else fell after that. And it's just kind of been a mess. We've seen very, very few games this year where the Cardinals have actually had all three starting outfielders playing together, or at least the three that were supposed to be there. And I'm not counting Jordan Walker that I'm talking O'Neill, Carlson and Newt. Uh, But you can even throw Walker in there. And it's still we've seen very few games with a healthy outfield. Um, we should have seen this coming. I think everybody did see this coming to an extent. We just didn't know it would all happen at once and it would go on for so long. Yeah, I would say that, I mean, just, just at a glance, you've never had the outfield of O'Neal, Carlson, and Newbar. Um, because, you know, Newbar got hurt in game one and was out for a while. And I think by the time he was back, um, O'Neal was out. And then, of course, opening day had Jordan Walker out there. So if you want to expand it to Walker, you're probably looking at just one, one or two if you want to get into, you know, there maybe there's been a couple of Carlson – Newt Bar Walkers, but even even when Newt Bar was healthy, you know, Walker went back to Memphis. So, yeah, it's the, it would be very interesting to look at these outfield combinations and see what they've had, but it's not been anywhere close to what they they expected. And I know if you had told us, you know, on opening day or the day before that, come June, Tommy Edmund is your center fielder, um, <laughs> we would have really been concerned about your mental health because something was obviously wrong, and uh, that that just never going to happen. Yeah, you know, maybe the trade the trade deadline, the team should look to invest in some uh, bubble wrap, something <laughs> to keep these guys a little bit safer. Because, yeah, and the thing that gets me too is these injuries. When you hear about them, they don't sound that bad. Like they yeah. sound like they're day to day injuries, and a guy's going to be right back. And now Tyler O'Neill's been on the sixty day IL. Uh, mm. it, you know, Newt back spasms originally day to day. Next thing you know, he's on the IL having to do a rehab assignment in Memphis. Carlson, elbow issue. You know, it's just, it's this, you you think they're small things and they end up 
taking guys out a whole lot longer and it throws a wrench in the season. It's not the only reason they're losing, but it is part of the reason. Uh, yeah, definitely didn't help for sure. And then throw that in with the sporadicness of, you know, not, not getting what you expected out of, of Contreras and things of that nature. Um, and even with all that, and then you get the mediocre to bad pitching and yeah, you start, you start, start listing it like that. And it's not too surprising that they're, you know, multiple games under 500, I guess. Yeah, if this was a Nintendo back in the 80s, I would have hit the reset button a long time ago. Because, <laughs> yeah, this is not how I wanted the season to go. Not at all. Not at all. But we do get the little, like I said, we get a couple more games to the Nationals. We get that little bit of trip to England, which, if nothing else, is novelty. Um, and then we can talk about that next week when we get together about... Um, you know, who, who, if, if, if should be left in England, maybe they'll just leave a couple of guys over there. You never know. Um, they'll swap out, you know, put somebody in one of those, uh, uh, guard uniforms and just leave them over there. Who knows? But, um, hopefully we'll just have to see, but we'll talk about that next week. So for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. See ya. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes, Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.